Hello, Jean Godfrey June and Megan O'Neill here. We are the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's newest podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty. We talk about clean, non-toxic beauty above all, skincare, hair care, body care, self-care, all of it. Mm-hmm. Our guest today is so interesting. She's sort of the authority on clean beauty. In fact, since the beauty industry isn't regulated, which is insane, she and the Environmental Working Group, the organization she works for, are actually the ones who assess ingredients in beauty and personal care products for toxicity. Her name's Nika Liba, and she's the Director of Healthy Living Science at the Environmental Working Group. It's known as EWG for short, and they're just an amazing organization. And she herself is the, one of the most incredible sources of information. We talk to her for articles on goop.com all the time. And this conversation was just incredible. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> she kind of blew our minds. She did, yeah. And, and yeah, whenever we have a question about the safety of an ingredient, she's the person to ask. And this conversation opened my eyes even more. Definitely. Nika and EWG assess the effects of chemicals in beauty and personal care products on our health. In this podcast, she really gets into why fragrance is a particularly toxic category. Mm-hmm. Talks about why everyone needs to avoid spray sunscreen, which I'm like super yeah. passionate about, yeah. and how the levels of hormone disrupting ingredients in a lot of conventional beauty products and personal care products are really just terrifying. We'll get to all of it in a second. First, let us tell you about the blow dryer we cannot stop talking about around the Goop offices. People love this dryer, myself included. (laughs) A big thanks to our friends at Dyson who are making this podcast possible. We're all a bit tech-obsessed here at Goop, and when we fall in love with a product, we appreciate its incredible engineering. And the Dyson Supersonic Hair Dryer gives us a lot to appreciate. It's the fastest drying because it's made with a digital motor that's incredibly powerful, plus an intelligent heat control feature that protects against extreme heat damage and boosts shine by up to 132% and smoothness by 75% compared to naturally dried hair. It's brilliant for every hair type, and I love how luscious, silky, and defined my curls feel after I go over them with the Dyson Supersonic. I use the diffuser attachment. When my friends with straighter textures use the smoothing nozzle, the shine and the bounce is just amazing. When I want to switch it up and wear my hair straight, an urge I get once in a blue moon, the new wide-tooth comb attachment is excellent for that. And Dyson engineered the dryer so the motor is ingeniously located in the handle, which makes the entire dryer much, much easier to use. It just rules. To learn more about the Supersonic, go to Dyson.com slash beauty closet. Hey, we're back. Hey, Megan. I'm so excited about our chat we had with Nika, Director of Healthy Living Science at EWG. She really makes a case for making the shift to non-toxic beauty. She does. She makes a brilliant point about toxic load, which is the cumulative effects of being exposed to these harmful, sometimes Mm hormone-disrupting ingredients in our beauty and personal care products over and over and over again. Even if you've never considered cleaning up your beauty routine, this podcast is really going to make you think. I'm excited. Let's turn it over to Nika. So the standard conventional beauty industry defense of there being toxins, you know, known toxins in their products is that the dose makes the poison, that everything in a beauty product is such a minuscule amount that it's not going to affect your health in any way. 
What's your position on that <laughs> that argument? I think it's an interesting argument. I and mean, I think if we were putting on just that chemical in just that really small dose only one time, we'd be fine. But that's not real life. Nobody wears just one chemical in one small dose by itself one time. The truth is that we're being exposed to many chemicals at the same time that can interact with each other. And a lot of these chemicals are not just in one product, but in tens of the products we use also in our air, food, and water. So we're not just being exposed to that small amount. And that's what we're concerned about. Right. The load. It just, it's cumulative. Yeah. The overall body burden. But also some of these, you know, potentially or, or harmful chemicals that are in small amounts in beauty and personal care, they are active at low levels, right? Yeah. Like A lot of the endocrine disrupting chemicals, the chemicals that affect our hormones, are really bad and notorious because they have biological activity. So they affect us biologically at really small doses, which is unusual. Usually, Most things in the world, you need more. more. Yeah. And so when the you know, Coburn and other scientists really started to understand endocrine disrupting chemicals, which is, you know, since the 1960s or 70s, so relatively recently, Recent. they were shocked, as was the scientific community in general, that the low doses really did matter for endocrine disruptors. Like you could get sick or, or it would just, it you know. It would affect your hormones. It would affect some. your hormones. And and. You know, the hard thing is your hormones drive everything in your body. Your hormones drive growth, development, and reproduction. So any effect to your hormonal system can have a multitude of effects, but most times you may not see that effect for decades or even generations. You know, mm. DES, for example, was mm -hmm. a drug that was given to pregnant women in the 50s and 60s for nausea. And the, those women were fine, but their daughters were having reproductive cancers and reproductive issues because wow. of the DES. And that's the sort of thing that can happen with endocrine disruptors. And certainly as we use more and more beauty in personal mm -hmm. care, and, and we were talking about it's sort of another form of pink tax that women, you know, disproportionately use use these products. Way more the, than the, that. The, the dose is getting pretty pretty big in some people's cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially with the YouTube era now, I watch a lot of makeup tutorials on YouTube and you feel this impulse to wear at least 23 products to get the, you know, 23, the, God. the beat that right. you need, yeah. you know, the primer, the finisher, the, all of the in-betweeners. Yeah. Um, so I think people are using much more products right. than ever before. And again, the overall body burden is just going up and up. Just right. What are some of the worst offenders in terms of ingredients that, that you see in conventional cosmetics? Uh, one of the most notorious ones is formaldehyde. Formaldehyde mm. is a known carcinogen. And you can have high levels of formaldehyde in some keratin hair straightening treatments. Oh, for sure. But for, formaldehyde is also still, still found in some nail hardeners. Again, a known human carcinogen and potent allergen. Also mercury. And a lot of people know about mercury in seafood. Yeah. Mercury, potent neurotoxin, can damage the brain and nervous system, especially wow. dangerous for developing fetus. And mercury is used as a preservative in some eye products, some uh. mascaras and such. And it's also used in some skin lightening creams. Carbon black is a pigment that's used in some 
mascara. mascaras and eyeliners. It's a, a known human carcinogen as well. A lot of the others aren't as notorious as some of those. Yeah, sort of definitive. Right, mm. uh, which makes our argument harder. But as more people study these chemicals, the more they're seeing effects and the more we're seeing those effects translating into what we're seeing in, in actual human health populations. So some of the endocrine disruptors, the phthalates and parabens and such, some of them have been associated with reproductive issues and infertility. And then when we look at the American population in general, we see fertility rates falling and we see certain cancers on the rise. So we're seeing a lot of things that we've seen in the bench science to the point now where the medical field is starting to say environmental toxicants are an issue. That was that's new. I've been working on this issue for I've been at EWG for 13 years and I've been working on uh, cosmetics for 13 years. And for a lot of those years, the medical community wasn't quite there. Yeah, right. And definitely. No, no, they're definitely there. Huh. And, and what you said about infertility and hormonal issues, that reminds me of a story we did that we quoted you mm-hmm. on Goop on the site about the higher percentage of endocrine disrupting ingredients in hair care marketed to black people. And, and black women suffer disproportionately from hormonal issues like mm-hmm. infertility and what, you know, the other issues you mentioned. Right. Birth rate, you know. Yeah. So is that something you it, that's being addressed or... Well, we know something that you guys talk about. It's something that we all should talk more about. I don't think it's being spoken about enough. So we did a, a project looking at cosmetics marketed to Black women a few years ago, and we found that hair straightening, chemical hair straighteners, have harsh chemicals, which we all knew. We also know from the scientific literature that these chemical hair straighteners have been linked to developmental and reproductive issues. But what our study found in general was that when it comes to products marketed to black women, there is disproportionately less better options. So for a black woman... To choose from. Yeah. So for a black woman who wants to stick to products marketed to to her community, which obviously she doesn't have to do, but if she wanted to... That's what she... That's her right she would have less options to turn to. Hmm. Meaning like clean options? Clean options. Less options that score well based on our rating system, which looks at the toxicity of products. How, from your perspective with those 13 years, how long has it been since even EWG started talking about personal care and beauty as a place where people were picking up toxic load? We started working on it 15 years ago, just over 15 years ago, when we launched our Skin Deep database, which is our cosmetic safety database. Yeah. Most useful. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So the backstory there is our research, the head of research at the time was looking at CDC testing, so biomonitoring studies, and found that women of reproductive age tended to have more phthalates in their bodies. And she couldn't figure out why this cohort, why this subset of people had more phthalates. Mm-hmm. She started digging around and found that phthalates was a nail polish. Well, who's who wears right, most nail right. polish? Women of reproductive yeah, age. Yeah, definitely. And phthalates, reproductive toxicant, in women of reproductive age, not the best combination. Right. So she said, what else is in our personal care products that we aren't talking about? And how is this allowed? Let's look at regulation. So we 
I wasn't there at the time. It was a year or two years before I started. And they pulled about 7,000 personal care products and parsed out the ingredients and looked in the literature for anything that was any scientific literature on those ingredients. So Skin Deep was launched in 2004 with 7,000 products. And now we have 70,000. Wow. And it's been all of those years. Wow. How do you find that you interact with the conventional beauty companies like do you do you get calls from them being like I deserve a three instead of a four on skin deep or you know is there is is there back and forth or is it more yeah do they get upset everyone gets upset yeah, <laughs> yeah. not just Your the conventional toxic. if you, if they aren't getting a one they right. want to know why but we've been dealing with some of the smaller greener guys from the very get-go mm-hmm. and they have been leading this field you know and, and hats off to them for that the conventional guys ha- didn't really start coming to us until a few years ago but uh, yeah everybody wants to know more about skin deep how do we develop the products the to, criteria yeah. how do we come up with the scores what science do they need to show to show that their product is safe. So do are there studies that are is needed? And the thing is, we need publicly available studies, not studies that you hide in your basement. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the public yeah. needs to see the studies. So some companies have published studies so that it can affect their score in Skin Deep. And oh, has anyone changed cool. their, their formula? Yeah. Uh, great. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. A lot of companies have changed their formula. That's amazing. Um, especially in the sunscreen realm. You know, anecdotally... When we came out a few years ago and said retinal palmitate wasn't great in sunscreens because of an NTP study that showed that on sun-exposed skin, you can get increased tumors and lesions on the skin. Many companies the following year didn't have retinal palmitate in their that's amazing in their products spray sunscreen yeah chemical sunscreens at goop certainly were were very much against but from what we understand spray sunscreen can even when it's titanium dioxide or a, a clean mineral sunscreen spray can still be problematic mm-hmm. can you walk us through that sure and you know titanium dioxide inhaled is a carcinogen so you hopefully wouldn't find titanium dioxide in a spray sunscreen, but zinc oxide. Zinc oxide. Potentially. And what we're worried about is the inhalation and the risk there because it hasn't been well studied. And the FDA recently came up with their final draft monograph for sunscreens. And the monograph that they'd released a few years ago, they had said they needed more studies on sprays. Mm. They needed to see inhalation tox studies and to see if you were getting a thick enough coat with a spray to get the protection, to get protection. You needed. Well, their final monograph allows sprays, but the manufacturers must must show that the particle sizes aren't too small such that they get into the deepest recesses of the lungs. Yeah. So we're seeing that potentially mm-hmm. there may in the future be a way to make spray sunscreens and not have really small particles that can damage the lungs. Currently right now, like non-nano doesn't necessarily mean you aren't getting nanoparticles, right? Right. Non-nano, the definition is, whose definition are we using? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's Um, it's like natural or any of those other words that don't, can be whatever the manufacturer. You know, it it can be non-nano from one aspect, but not the other aspect. But also, even if it's not nano, maybe if it's micro, it can still get into the really deep recesses of the lungs. A micro can still. Yeah. Okay. So we're concerned about, you know, things below 
for us below 10 microns in certain diameters. But if if they're if they make a spray with a bigger molecule so there's no risk of it penetrating deeper, well does that mean it'll be you know more white and pasty and less spreadable? It definitely will be more whitening. That's the thing with mineral sunscreens. Well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the mineral sunscreens, you know, if it is not whitening, if it doesn't look like paint, the then likelihood it, ha- it has some nano in there. Really? Yeah. Which Fabulous. for us is why we don't recommend sprays because of that. For lotion application, the nanoparticles are less likely to get through intact skin. Okay. You then know, they so are that's go into lungs. Right. And definitely, you know, no that's so that's why we've always said stay away from sprays. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back to Nika. Over here at Goop, we're obsessed with beauty products and tools that really, truly work to make you look like you, but better. It's the reason we're so into Dyson Supersonic Hair Dryer, which is something of a feat of engineering. It dries hair super, super fast. It has the fastest digital motor and a special air multiplier technology. There's even intelligent heat control technology that protects hair from extreme heat damage and amps up shine by 132% and decreases frizz by up to 61% compared to naturally dried hair. It leaves curls extra shiny and silky, especially if you use the diffuser attachment. You won't believe how soft it is and how much less frizz you get. There's an amazing smoothing nozzle that our friends who wear their hair straight love, a new wide tooth comb attachment to help shape textured hair, a style concentrator for precision styling, and a new gentle air attachment for sensitive scalps and fine hair. It really works no matter what your hair type. And it feels steady and natural in your hand. They geniusly put a motor in the handle to balance out the weight. It's amazing, and it's changed our lives over here at Goop. To learn more about the Supersonic, go to Dyson.com slash Beauty Closet. Okay, let's get back to our chat with Nika. Can you tell us about the the fragrance loophole and in ingredients? Many people will look at a product and they won't see paraben or phthalate or any of the things they know to be potentially harmful on the back and say, oh, it's okay. And But there's this fragrance ingredient. Yeah, that, that has always bugged me, to be honest. <laughs> you know, you see this green product. It looks totally clean and it has fragrance and you're like, I'm getting it. It's perfect. But you don't know what is in the fragrance because of this loophole. So companies can use the term fragrance to hide their fragrance mixture. The problem is that this fragrance mixture can be any number of almost 4,000 ingredients. 4,000. Yeah. That they don't have to disclose. That they don't have to disclose. And we know notoriously Some of those are some of the phthalates that we're concerned about, some synthetic musks that we're concerned about. But you just never know what is in that fragrance mixture unless a company has decided to be transparent, to be transparent, which is completely voluntary. Mm -hmm. And so it is impossible, in my opinion, and I think in EWG's opinion, it's impossible to make an educated decision about the product you're buying if you don't know the ingredients in it. Right. So if everything else looks great and it says fragrance, assume the worst. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. Assume the worst because you have no idea right. what is in it until that company until tells you. Until they're willing to, to, to say. Are there, in terms of categories of beauty products, what do you think are some of the most important to go clean with first? You know, if, if a person is saying, I want to change, where do I, what's the most important thing? 
So the most important thing, I'm going to turn the question on the head on, on its head a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I will talk about the category, but the most important thing mm-hmm. is to not get overwhelmed. Mm. Because that's what we hear all the time. Everything's bad. Oh my God. Right. What am yeah, I there's nothing to do? I can yeah. use. There's yeah. nothing to do. And I think the thing is to take it one step at a time and then think of the overall body burden. Any change you make will reduce your body burden. You know, so it's just like eating better. Eating better, <laughs> choosing one category. And and speaking of categories, what I would do, and everybody is different, mm-hmm. you know, it depends on what stage you are in your life. Yeah. If you have kids, for example, or if you're trying to get pregnant, you may think about it differently. But what I recommend is looking at the products you use most often mm-hmm. and the products you use over a greater surface area of your body. And because obviously the absorb- absorption You're getting is, more is, is lotion more. than yeah. lipstick. So lotions, for example, soaps, body wash. for example, things you use every day. But shampoo is like on your head. But shampoo is on is your head. Is that worse than it on your skin? No. The skin on your scalp is more or less similar to the skin on the rest of your body. And you wash shampoo out. But it's not seeping into your brain. I mean, if you keep it on. <laughs> I mean, like, that's like what I think about. It's like you're on your head. and like... uh, You know, anything that goes into your bloodstream can potentially get to your brain anyway. So, okay. you know, the cranium is, is a pretty good barrier for, for, for scalp application. True. That's there, I guess. Yeah. And, and you wash it off. Not saying that you shouldn't look at your shampoo, mm-hmm. but there are other areas. Something that's sticking to your Things body that you longer. keep on all day long. Hmm. Or conversely, you could also look at the known categories. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we're in an age where uh, for black women, natural hair is, is, is acceptable. But I stopped relaxing my hair. And that was something I could Me live too. with. Yeah. yeah. You, how long ago... You stopped. I've been like, well, I bleached it for a while, but relaxer like four years. Yeah, I. What about you? Been about ten. Wow. Ten years, and again, something I could live with. Very personal decision for me. Yeah. And that's not something I would ever say to somebody. You have to do, which we we don't like to be preachy. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. to be something that works with your lifestyle. Right. So, two categories that I decided to. Step away step from. away from as much as possible. And I'm never saying never, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I try to limit my exposure is hair dyes. I'm like, let the grace shine. <laughs> grays, bring it on. A lot of the chemicals in the dark colored hair dyes are, the are derived from coal tar. So coal tar hair dyes and coal tar is a carcinogen. Is that PDP? Yeah. <laughs> P-phenylene diamine, yeah. So bleach is, is less toxic than... Is bleach toxic? I mean, you know, if you bleach your hair. It would be toxic if you put it on your skin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's if you and if it gets on your scalp, it's it's an irritant. It's an irritant. Yeah. Versus a toxin. So a toxic chemical is irritants can be toxic, but it depends on how you think about it. It's not Mm -hmm. a systemic toxicant. Right. Okay. It's not endocrine disruptive. No. Yeah. No. But yeah, if you poured bleach on yourself... It, <laughs> yeah, it would, would harm you. It would definitely harm your health. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and but for the the coal tar, the PDP, that I mean, people people die of allergic reactions, do they not? And they also, it's just one of the worst things. I mean, like I have dark hair, so I'm always like, oh. Yeah. And I it's think it's getting better with clean companies are starting yeah, to I come out. You're able now to get mm. dyes without p-phenylene diamine and other coal tar hair dyes, but. Yeah, these some of these are powerful irritants, and you never know 
if you are the one that will have that reaction. Also, the way the body works, you build up a, a threshold. So yeah, you can use it one time point. and you're fine. Right. You can use it another time and you're fine. And the third time you use it, well, that, you're not fine. Yeah. I was amazed when I was learning about hair color that that patch test that they tell you to do is actually upping your sensitivity yeah. to that product. And relaxer is is one of the more toxic ingredient-laden categories. Right. So relaxers will have really harsh chemicals and, and mm-hmm. chemicals that are linked to uterine growth. But that is so crazy to me because, like, I started relaxing my hair at 10. Mm-hmm. And so do a lot of people. Right. And then when and, you... And when you're a kid, it's you're more susceptible because... Right? right. Your you're, systems you're, aren't you're, developed and yeah, growing. you can't handle it as well. Right. And, you know, when you are going through puberty, your hormones are super active. And so anything affecting your hormones com- can completely throw time. things. That is kind of devastating. Which, when Vulnerable. you look at the statistics, young black girls are going through puberty right. much, much, much earlier. Getting their now. periods yep. earlier. Yep. And breast buds at ages six and seven now. Whoa. When 20 or 30 years ago, it was 15 and 16. And again, the medical community, as well as the scientific community in general, is wondering about their exposure to some endocrine disruptors, particularly hair-straightening chemicals. What about, I always wonder about inhaled things. You know, you when you when you smell a fragrance, you're inhaling. When you were talking about shampoo, I always think, I'm in the shower and my body wash and my 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 shampoo yeah. are making these scents that I'm then breathing in kind of. Is that has that been studied much? It has been. And and when you look at the toxicity of a chemical, hopefully if it's studied well and there's no assurance that every chemical is studied well. In fact, we know that most chemicals haven't been fully studied. Yeah. But you should look at dermal, oral, and inhalation mm. toxicity. Some of the chemicals that you're smelling are large particles that won't pass far into the nose. Mm -hmm. Again, some of the smaller ones are really fine and will get into the system, and the body can clear some of it. The studies do show, though, that some, like titanium dioxide, Mm -hmm. get into the lung and then can cause cancer. So not everything you inhale or you smell will be a problem, but some will. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> but but things are being done, right? Like there's the the Personal Care Safety Act that is recent. Yeah. Can you talk about what that does and right. why that's a step? So it's a victory. It's not the or, yeah. <laughs> We've got a long way to go, but it's a yeah. victory. Senators Feinstein and Collins reintroduced their Personal Care Product Safety Act. We um, a few that. weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you do. And I think what people don't realize is that the regulations that oversee personal care products haven't been updated since 1938. Yet everything else in the world has changed since 1938. The chemicals chemicals that are being (laughs) introduced and made every single day is different. You know, there are just so many more chemicals now. So this law, if, if it becomes a law, it would ensure or it would require that manufacturers ensure that they're products and ingredients are safe before it goes on store shelves. Whoa. Which right now is not, I not, can't believe the that's case. not the case. Right. It just sounds crazy when you say it. People, when you first tell them, they're like, yeah, they're like nah. of course they're safe. Yeah. yeah, They have to be. The government's going to watch out for right. us. Yeah. And, and it's not it's the case. It's just insane. Right. And the second part of that goes to what you just said about the government. This bill would give the FDA the authority it needs to adequately pr- police 
the beauty care space. Right now, the FDA can't mandate a recall, even if a product has been shown to cause harm. So FDA did some tests a few weeks ago and found asbestos in Claire's makeup, the oh, store the Claire's. store, yeah. Um, asbestos. Children's a, makeup, yeah, right? It, right. I recall. And, <laughs> and some of them were powdered makeup. Asbestos, we know, is a carcinogen. A carcinogen, yeah. But they couldn't mandate a recall. Wow. Because they don't have that authority. Even though children are inhaling asbestos, right. playing with toys. That's so <laughs> right. nuts. It, it is unimaginable, it's but crazy. it's our reality. So this bill would give the FDA that authority, and the bill would also require the FDA to to re- review a handful of chemicals every year to ensure that the latest science is available for all of them. So they would say, okay, this is safe or this is not safe. Again, something that they aren't able to do right now. And compared to, say, the EU, where are we in terms of, like, how do we stack up against other countries in terms of regulating? Yeah, the other countries are so far ahead, we're not even seeing them. (laughs) (laughs) The EU bans or restricts about 1,400 chemicals. And how many do we... We ban or restrict less than 10. Oh, my god. That gosh. is just, like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, we, we, so we far don't behind. deserve this. No. Where's the luxury? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the-, the, the laws. So in Skin Deep, we, because there's just a lack of safety regulations in personal care products in the U.S., we use literature and the regulations from the EU, Canada, Japan, and other Asian countries because they have more. They have more regulations. And there, why it's so different is that they take more of a precautionary approach. So if the science is showing that something is unsafe. Could potentially cause problems. They either ban or restrict it. Restrict it to a certain level. Here, you know, we all have to be You have to wait till you're sick. Yeah. Everybody has to be falling out. You have to have cancer. And even then, we know asbestos is bad. It's still in personal care. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Like, what is that? What, why is that? Yeah, why, like, why is that? I'm just wondering out loud, it's in my head, why we're so not reactive. You know, I don't know that it's for lack of wanting to be reactive. I think that, you know, on Capitol Hill, nothing happens because of opposition. And Mm -hmm. for many years, there was a lot of money in the opposition. The good thing about the Personal Care Product Safety Act is that there are a lot of companies that support it. Do you trace that back just to the 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 when hair care case the, the, that they support it? Mm-hmm. I think that they support it because, or many companies support it because it's such an obvious thing now. And whereas people weren't aware of the issue, you know, they weren't they weren't thinking about personal care product safety fifteen yeah. years ago. No, everybody is thinking about it, and it would. I don't know. To me personally, it would look bad if you're a company and you don't support. A law Safety. that is <laughs> yeah. so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just me. Where do you see the beauty industry in the next five years? Are I, you encouraged by what you see now? Definitely. And again, for somebody who has been working in this space for more than a decade, it has come so very oh. far. Let's say there is a law that's passed that would raise the floor, not the ceiling. You know, there mm. are going to be companies that always make better products than even what the FDA would require under under this new law. So there's always going Hmm. to be upward movement, but the floor would be raised so that anybody, regardless of where they live, regardless of how much money they make, 
regardless of what they can afford or, you know, what they have access to, they would be able to get a product that meets that, that, that level of safety. That, that they're not inhaling asbestos. Right. <laughs> yeah. Without the law, I think that there are some companies that are going to continue to push the boundaries and continue to try to make better products. And there's some that, because they don't have to, yeah. they won't. What worries me, though, is that people start to use claims and say they're clean and say that they're this and say that they're that, but because there's no oversight. It means nothing. It, it, it starts to water down the movement. Right. And that, as it, as we've seen with the natural space for, right. for many years. Yeah. And so that's part of the concern um, that I, I see. But even like some things can say, some hair care can say formaldehyde free, mm -hmm. but things can still interact to create formaldehyde. Is but that right? Potentially, you can say formaldehyde-free and potentially use something very akin to formaldehyde mm -hmm. yeah. um, that has the same effect. Yeah, yeah, tricky. Um, that's right. I mean, certainly that happened with with parabens, right? That that you know you were like no parabens, but some of the preservative systems that got developed after that same have thing. potential right. problems, just the way the parabens do. Right, or you say no. PFOA, which is one type of perfluorinated chemical, and we know the perfluorinated chemicals are pretty bad, but you use PFOS, which is yeah. its, its twin sister, basically, yeah. in terms of structure. Oh, we could ask you questions yes, so all many day. <laughs> We're so glad that EWG exists and that you work there and that you're there protecting us when no one else is. Wow. Yeah, wow. So nuts that in Europe, they've banned over 1,400 chemicals so that they can't be used in beauty products. And we've banned less than 10 here in the U.S. It's crazy. You don't think something like a beauty product is going to have the power to affect your health. Yeah. And it obviously does. And yeah. the companies that make those products don't care. Thank yeah. God there are companies that do care. Yeah. What made you get into clean beauty? Well, I had a weird experience <laughs> as a beauty editor. I was a beauty editor in magazines for a jillion years. And I would say it was about between 10 and 15 years ago, we went to this industry convention, a cosmetic convention that beauty editors all had to go and kind of see the people in the cosmetic industry. And they invited us to this meeting that we'd never been invited to before and had us all sit together. Um, and the president of an enormous beauty and personal care company that was a very influential advertiser to all of our magazines at the time, got up and made a speech. And his speech was, beauty products are safe. And then he turned to us and said, as journalists, it's your duty to report that. And none of us had ever thought right. you know, that- Consider that, the alternative. Of course we yeah. thought they were safe. I, why wouldn't they be safe? Of course, you know, who would want to put toxins in something that everybody's using every day? Yeah. And a bunch of us, it made us kind of go, whoa, what, what, what's he talking about? It was like a cigarette company talking. And yeah. I remember we went back and had, I had another beauty editor and I had lunch with the president of a luxury beauty company. And so we said, well, you don't put your, you know, your products are expensive. So, so you don't put those chemicals in, in yours. And he was like, oh, you, you can't possibly, you know, you couldn't afford to, to make beauty products if you didn't use those toxic ingredients. And we were kind of like, well, God. how does Burt's Bees do it? You know, yeah. um, like yeah. there's, a, you know, Waleda. Yeah. There's, there's great companies that have been making 
clean, non-toxic products before it was a thing. And, you know, it really opened my eyes. And then as I worked in the magazine industry, I reported on all different kinds of beauty products, but it just perked up my ears about natural beauty products. And I got excited about them and I started, you know, I just got into it. And I think also face oil came around and somehow Uh I was one of the first people like like, I I like just loved (laughs) face oil and that is a very natural product. It's, you know, there are conventional beauty companies that manage to stuff chemicals into them, but usually they're a little cleaner than, than most other kinds of beauty products. And then, you know, when I, when I finally got here to Goop, I remember thinking when I first started, what am I going to write about? There's hardly any brands that, that fit these really strict standards. And today there's too many brands. Like we, you know, we're like, what are we going to write about? Oh my God, we've got so much. So the whole world really has changed and it's the fastest growing sector of the beauty industry. Yeah. Clean. It's, it's consumers want it. It's, you know, definitely the big companies don't want it, but they are changing. And and I love that. Yeah. It's happening. People don't want to get sick from beauty. And I feel like our boss is Gwyneth, you know, was one of the first people to start talking about clean beauty after her her dad had had cancer and she started cleaning up her diet, cleaning up, you know, yeah. cleaning products and then beauty products. And she's been, she's been devoted to it and stuck with it. I mean, our standards are really high and there's a lot yeah. of products we can't cover, products we can't sell. Really great to be a part of that movement. It's great. And it's setting a standard, yeah. a new standard. And like, just what, like Gwyneth says, What's the luxury? You know, you're you're spending money on something that you don't need. That's a luxury, and it's going to have a bunch of potential toxins in it. Like, yeah. what, why? Why, you, why want that? You can make them without them. So yeah, it's, it's just it's not, and it's not that it's so expensive. I mean, you can go to a drugstore and get clean products now. Target's doing an amazing job. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> okay, so I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest product for you to go clean with? Hmm. I think it was body lotion because I just have this like dry lizard skin. Like like some people like they put on makeup and that's how you, you know, feel like yourself to go outside, but I have to put on moisturizer all over my body because uh-huh. I'm just so dry. So I had my favorite lotion and I came to goop and there was a bit of an adjustment period, but then <laughs> I, I made the shift completely. But lotion was hard at first. But I've I've found ones I love, and I've found body oils, which I actually like more than lotions these days. And what's your favorite? Oh my god, the one by Sangra de Fruta. I love oh, that one. So good. Yeah. And you and lotion is a lotion's a good one to go clean with because you're putting it over your entire body, so you're getting this giant surface area covering your whole body and potentially harmful. Yeah, things. your skin absorbs whatever, close to 60% of, of right. what you put on it. All so, of your body. So, of your so body. that was when I really wanted to go clean with. Cool. Yeah. So on the site, I do a column called Ask Jean. And Megan does a great one called Megan Tries It. And because of those two columns, we get a ton of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all here. Let's get into the Ask Us Anything. And if Anybody listening has a beauty question they want us to answer, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. Now to today's question. A woman named Basia wants to know our favorite foundations. So what's yours, Megan? You have like beautiful, glowy, dark skin that I feel like, oh my God. you know, 
doesn't You're need nice. a bit of no it doesn't need a bit of foundation but well the thing is I don't I don't typically love foundation and I, I do not have perfect skin I'm someone who is blemish prone but I do just normally love the look of skin even if it yeah. is not perfect because skin you know it's yeah beautiful it's, it's beautiful but when I do want to look a little more polished I love the tinted face oil from Kosas because I kind of feel like it's like the, it's the, the foundation for people who hate foundation and it's like a cross between an oil and a foundation. It has all these antioxidants. It melts into your skin. It makes you dewy. It comes in a million shades and half shades now, which is awesome. Half because, shades? Yes. Wait, I did genius? not know that. Yeah, new half shades. So good. And they had, I mean, to begin with, they had an, a, a pretty enormous range. And now range. it's like even better. Oh, so that is what I love. I love that brand. Yeah. My favorite foundation, I like tinted moisturizer. Mm -hmm. I've always been tinted moisturizer girl. And I, I feel like I need SPF every day at like, you know, uh, not, I'm not nuts about it because I do think yeah. you need some sunlight. In any case, tinted moisturizer was the toughest, one of the toughest things for me to change over when I moved over to oh, Goop really? and was going clean. I had this tinted moisturizer that I loved and I was like, this makes me look good. And it mm -hmm. actually had chemical sunscreen in it, which is awful to be putting on your skin Ugh. every day because it's an irritant and as we know irritation can cause inflammation which causes aging so irritation sort of the opposite of what you want your <laughs> skin stuff to be doing anyway I was trying to transition over and so I decided to try we in the store I was helping people look at at tinted moisturizers and foundations and the thing everybody ended up buying like that would just looked good on everyone is beauty counter do skin it has spf 20 and i just i just ended up like setting up so many people with that that i was like all right i i have to try it it looks good on everyone and you sold so, yourself on it. so i sold myself on it and i started using it on the days where it like didn't matter you know yeah. where like my didn't matter if i it didn't look, didn't look my best. And every single one of those days, people would be like, what are you doing to your skin? Like, have you doing some kind of new thing? Like you oh look just God. like glowy. And I was, <laughs> so it very quickly became <laughs> the product that I wore on the days I wanted to look super good. And now I wear it all the time. It's just, I don't know what the, it's, it is definitely a tinted moisturizer. It's not a ton of coverage and it just melts into your skin, but somehow gives you some little glowy fabulousness yeah. that people will comment on yeah so you've got some choices boss yeah thanks again for joining us on the beauty closet you can learn more about our new podcast series at goop.com slash beauty closet podcast we hope you'll come back next wednesday for our next chat and in the meantime just tap subscribe to keep up with new episodes if you're liking what you're hearing please rate and review the podcast we love it and share with a friend talk soon <laughs>